You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P- please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate DAP for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Hello Bulls fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the show and thank you to Bet Online for sponsoring the show today. Jump on to betonline.ag and sign up using promo code BLUEWIRE to access a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Thank you to Bet Online for sponsoring the show and thank you to you for tuning into this episode of Bulls HQ. It's been a little while since I last done, did a show on here. It's been three, maybe four weeks at this point and I guess the reasoning for that just to, to fill you in Bulls fans is it's been tough to actually be to get up and actually want to talk about our Chicago Bulls I mean there's only so much you can do in terms of saying the same old things in, in different ways but between Boylan's bad decision making between the bad execution down the stretch in fourth quarters the silly defensive scheme that we can constantly have talked about this entire season the roster flaws, the the fact that the that Boylan hasn't necessarily adjusted his personnel based on the absent players that he has had, Wendell Carter, obviously Larry Mark, and nothing has changed from a scheme perspective. He's put players in that can't necessarily execute at the same level that these guys can, hoping that for whatever reason that that they could. But obviously, that hasn't transpired. So, I, I guess I I just couldn't get up I couldn't justify it to myself in how how can I talk about this team from a different sense and to be honest with you I mean most Bulls fans at this point are probably going through a serious a serious case of apathy to the point where you don't even want to hear the same old nonsense over and over and over again so I've decided to scale back the pod maybe every couple weeks depending on obviously what what news is going down now maybe that won't be the case this week coming up, given we've got the trade deadline on Thursday, so maybe we'll be back later in the week or at least early next week. But I think the the need to do two podcasts per week, as I was sort of doing previously, I, I don't think I don't think there's a need for that, Bulls fans. So I'll be scaling this thing back to at least once a week, but possibly every fortnight. But we'll, we'll wait and see how that all transpires. It will be driven based on what things are happening with our Bulls, uh, and that is certainly true. And maybe once these players start coming back from injuries, then. There'll be some more uh, intrigue over the last couple of months of the season. But I was scheduled to do a show last week. I was going to jump on here with Matt Peck from Bulls Outsiders, from Locked On Bulls. It was going to be the first time I ever spoke to Matt 
in person at least. Obviously, Matt and I are, were mates online, but uh, he hasn't been on Bulls HQ before. That was going to be his debut appearance. But literally maybe half an hour, an hour before it was set to record, unfortunately, the news about Kobe Bryant broke. And to be honest with you, I just wasn't in the right mental space to be doing a podcast about our Chicago Bulls, complaining about Boylan's irritations, complaining about this and that. When such tragic news broke and, uh, I, I, yeah, it just threw me. It threw me. Uh, and I, I didn't want to just jump on a podcast and try to, try to make sense of it all, try to work my way through it mentally. There's obviously a million thoughts running through your head at that point and I just didn't want to add to it and I, I needed time to collect my thoughts. I, to be honest with you, I still haven't. It does still doesn't feel real. It, we're a week gone now and it, it still doesn't feel like Kobe has been gone. I mean, just absolutely tragic news, horrific news. Uh, I was a Kobe fan growing up. I most certainly respect who he was as a basketball player. I had some attachment to him, obviously, through my formative years watching this game. Kobe was a big part of that. Obviously, not a ball, but most certainly as an NBA fan, Kobe was a big part of, of the basketball that I certainly grew up on. And I don't know, I just didn't expect to have this emotional connection to the, the whole ordeal. And it probably has to do with the fact of the way it played out, the fact that there was like other people on that helicopter on board as well. And just, just the tragic circumstances of it all, it just made sense to just use that time maybe a little bit more wisely. So like I said, rather than getting on a podcast and complaining about our Chicago Bulls, it made more sense to, to spend the time with family, with friends, to to really be thinking about life and just thinking about what, what actually makes sense and using your time a little bit more productively, which, uh, of which I, I certainly wouldn't have been doing if I was jumping on the podcast complaining about complaining about Bulls rotations, complaining about Larry Markman's injuries, lamenting this lost Bulls season. I mean, it, it's a shame that it takes something so, so so huge and catastrophic for us to, I guess, collect our thoughts and really take perspective of what really does matter. But unfortunately, it, it does sometimes take these moments. And, and just last week, it just didn't, it didn't make any sense at all to, to jump on here and, and to record a Bulls HQ episode. So... Like I said, that explains my hiatus a little bit there, but uh, I, like I said, I, I'm still I still have no words about this Kobe situation. It, it does not feel real. I'm still shocked by it. And to be honest with you, it's been hard to even watch basketball in general. I mean, not even our balls. I mean, just basketball in general because the, the moment that I start even thinking about basketball, my mind goes straight to Kobe straight away, and it's just it's just tough. It's dark. I don't know how to make sense of it all. It's the thoughts that run through your head is just, uh, yeah, like I said, it's dark. It's it's just it's just tough. So that unfortunate event coupled with uh, this Bulls season just being a tough, tough watch. Uh, they're, they're the reasons why I've been away for the last few weeks, but I guess I'm back on deck here. Now, obviously, this Bulls season hasn't necessarily taken a, a turn for the better, but we, we push through. We, we, we try to analyze what is going on with our Bulls despite... Despite the tragedy with Kobe Bryant, despite this season being a bit of a write-off, we, we, we push through and we, we will still continue talking about our Chicago Bulls. So I'm back on this one. Probably going to keep it short and sweet. I, I don't want to go into the minutiae of each game. Like I said, I don't want to try and complain about our Bulls. I don't want to say the same thing over and over and over again. So it doesn't really make sense to obviously go into the, you know, just the bad decisions made in each game because frankly, we've been talking about the same things all year. But Ultimately, we will we will come back and touch on them at some point, I'm sure. But I guess we have to start with probably the biggest news surrounding our Bulls over the last couple of days. And unfortunately, it's it's 
another injury-related news, and, and it relates to Chris Dunn and that MCL injury that he sustained against the Nets. And I don't know, I, I don't know if you guys are watching the Bulls at this point, but pretty much on the first possession, in the first thirteen seconds of the game, Chris Dunn sustained a really nasty-looking knee injury. He had his own player, Thad Young. He was taking the charge, Young. Based on that contact, fell backwards, fell into Dunn's knee, and it, the hyperextension or the twist in Dunn's knee when he sort of when Thad Young fell back on Chris Dunn's knee, it, it looked nasty at the time. You could tell it was going to be a pretty bad injury, and I guess I've been around basketball long enough, long enough now to know that it was going to be a bad injury. I'm certainly no doctor of of, of any means, but it did look like an MCL injury the minute that it happened. Obviously. I was hoping it wouldn't be anything more significant than that. There is still no timeline about Dunn and his injury, so we'll wait and see how long he's going to be be held out here for. But it was it, it was a gruesome looking injury. It, it obviously could have been much worse, but it didn't look good either on the replay. So we'll find out how long Dunn is out, but hopefully it's no more than a few weeks, maybe maybe a month or four to six weeks. I mean, every other ball is pretty much out for four to six at the weeks at this point. I, I, I don't know what the range for MCL injuries typically is, but hopefully it's not too long for Chris Dunn because Dunn was having a really good season. I mean, he still has his problems offensively, but defensively he was damn good for the Bulls this season. One of the best defenders in the NBA this season. And maybe more importantly, he was doing that in a contract year. He's a restricted free agent. He's in the fourth year of his rookie deal. He's basically playing for his next deal, whether that's with the Bulls or not. He was auditioning for that next deal, and he he had found a niche with this Bulls team as that six man coming in as a that defensive stopper, that Marcus Smart type role. But obviously, more recently, had been starting for the Bulls, and I think Dunn had really cemented himself, or at least found a position on a roster for himself. Now, he probably isn't going to be a starting point guard for most teams around the NBA, but perhaps you know starting in a pinch or starting next to a point guard playing like he is at the moment at shooting guard slash small forward even being a six man type Dunn has some he has some capacity to do that for 25 minutes a game and he was really establishing himself as a player that could most certainly earn six to eight million on the market next season on the market during free agency and I certainly still hope that is the case with Dunn whether it's with the Bulls or otherwise you don't want to see players get injured before their next big payday so I don't think this will influence his free agency market at least I hope it doesn't because like I said you want to see these guys sort of make bank and at least collect some career earnings here obviously Dunn a fifth fifth overall pick back in the day he's still probably earned himself $20 million at this point across his career, but you still want to see him earn that check that he deserved and you don't want to see that being derailed from because of an injury. So fingers crossed for Chris Dunn that this isn't super significant. It didn't look good. I hope it's not too long for the Bulls because they really do need him. I mean, it became pretty pretty uh, apparent quite quickly that without Chris Dunn that the Bulls have absolutely zero perimeter defense. And we saw that against the Nets with Kyrie Irving going off for 51, I think it was, against the Bulls. He basically was getting in the lane at will, had no resistance on the perimeter at all. Ryan Archidiakono did his best. The coach assigned, as my friend C. Red Fred would say, he provided no resistance at all. Sadoransky isn't able to guard Kyrie. Definitely can't put Kobe White on Kyrie Irving either, nor can you do that with Zach Levine. Maybe you could throw Shaq Harris on him a bit, but... At that point, when you're reaching down to your th- your third string to 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 throw Shaq Harrison on Kyrie Irving, obviously you're in significant trouble. So, 
The Bulls are in a bit of trouble here. Obviously, they're out already without Wendell Carter. You remove now Chris Dunn, your two best defensive players, your defensive anchor at the rim in Wendell Carter, the guy who's communicating the most out there on the floor. But then you also take away Chris Dunn, the, the Wendell Carter of the Bulls perimeter defense, if you want to refer him to that. They're your two best defenders, the best of communicators on defense. You take them away and there's just no way this Bulls defense is going to hold up. And we've seen that over the first couple games without both Wendell Carter and Chris Dunn. So against the Nets, the Bulls had a 130.4 defensive rating, which is absolutely terrible. And and despite that being as bad as it was, it got even worse against Toronto, a 133 defensive rating against the Raptors, which came mostly in the second half, given that the Bulls were outscored by 30 points. I think 69 to 39, I think was the uh, was how much they were outscored in that second half, if I'm not mistaken. Whatever it was, they got pantsed in that second half. So that ultimately contributed to that banned defensive rating for the Bulls. So without done, obviously without Wendell Carter, this Bulls defense is in a lot of trouble. I know they got Gafford back against the Raptors, but I mean, Gafford is still a rookie. You know, he gets up there and he blocks shots, but his, his ability to read schemes, uh, his understanding of where, where to be within those schemes is probably not where you want it to be just yet. And and I'm not really blaming Gafford for that. Obviously, he's a second-round pick in his first year. He, we have to temper our expectations to some degree. But yeah, this Bulls defense, it's 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 in a lot of trouble. Hopefully, Dunn isn't too out too long. We know Wendell Carter isn't coming back before the All-Star break. So... Tough, tough news for this Bulls defense, and it's going to make watching this team a lot harder going forward, given that their defense, it's got the opportunity to get cooked right up. I'll talk about what the schedule looks like coming up, but they've got the New Orleans Pelicans first up on Thursday, and the Pelicans have been playing some damn good basketball of late. They're one of the better offensive teams in the NBA over the last however many games, so yeah, that's that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough, so hopefully Don's not out too long. Hopefully we get Carter back soon, because... This team is going to be leaking a lot of points and they don't really have an, an ability at the moment to put points back on the other end. It's pretty much just the Zach Levine show on offense. And to be honest with you, I don't know if there's any other options on offense at this point. I mean, what what do you realistically do beyond Zach Levine? Maybe you run some pick and roll between Tomas Sadoransky and Thad Young. And, and Young is obviously starting now given that Larry Markin is out as well. Maybe you can do some two-man stuff between those guys, allow Zach to sort of just take a break here and there. Maybe you bring in Kobe White and hope he cooks some games. It's going to be inevitably that game where he shoots three of 15 or something like that. But, I mean, beyond those guys, I mean, what, what can you realistically do? Maybe you can throw the ball to Cornette for a couple pick-and-pop shots, but you're obviously not going to lean on that. Don't even get me started on, on Cristiano Felicio initiating the offense for whatever hell reason he is doing at the moment. I mean... He's initiating the offense even more so than maybe Wendell Carter was at, at, at when he was playing, which is just insane to think about. How many times have you seen uh, Cristiano Felicio go into a dribble dribble handoff move, not necessarily hand the ball over, but start pounding the ball, looking for looking for a cutter, looking to make a pass, and he's just hanging onto the ball, trying to feed someone. And it's just obviously not working. But yeah, they just have zero offense at, at this point, which is which is which is an ideal. And, and it's not surprising to see that the pressure is starting to mount on Zach Levine. The workload has been intense for Levine during most of this month. He's averaging 37 minutes during the month of January at this point, Levine that is. So he's doing a mountain of work on offense, still scoring the ball really well, 28.5 points through January, shooting the ball 46.3% from the field during January. So he's been pretty good, Zach Levine, from an efficiency standpoint. But I do feel sorry for him because... 
it's just so easy for opposing defenses to lock in on Zach Levine. You initially have that, you have the initial ball handler going in on Levine. You obviously have the, have the help defense coming over, and whether that's two or three guys. And then it just leaves a whole bunch of nothing on the perimeter that Zach Levine's got to work with, some guys that he can kick the ball out to and hope they can do something. And I guess the one shining light of late has been Chandler Hutchinson, who's looked really good since coming back from injury. And fingers crossed he doesn't get injured. He he has the propensity to, to come up wincing or hobbling every now and then from a, an ankle issue or a shoulder issue or whatever it might be. He, he, he does always get hurt. He picks up these knocks that maybe knock him around a little bit, but hopefully it's nothing serious. But he's been really good lately, Chandler Hutchinson. He's been doing some things on defense, turning his defense into offense, and he's been shooting the ball well from the field. So hopefully that continues. He, along with Levine, they've probably been the better players for the Bulls over the last sort of two weeks, I suppose. But beyond that, it's been a rough watch. Not only for us, the fans, but even the, even Bulls players themselves. I mean, I just got done watching Bulls Raptors, and at the end there, when obviously the Bulls were getting absolutely hosed towards the back end of the fourth quarter, you saw Zach Levine just looking despondent on the bench. He was just staring out into nowhere until Jim Boylan called a timeout down twenty five with one minute and four seconds left on the clock. Boylan calls that timeout, and Zach Levine's just audibly you know, questioning, he's, he's saying, why, why, why are you calling this timeout? I mean, that was the one time he showed some emotion on the bench. He's just like the rest of us questioning what the hell is, what, he, what the hell is coach doing? So it's tough for us to watch as Bulls fans, but imagine being a Bulls player on the sideline watching this mess at the moment. And it's clearly getting to Zach Levine for a number of reasons. And it probably has only compounded given the fact that Zach missed out on the all-star game. I want to come back and talk about that a little bit more, but first, let me tell you about this week's sponsor. Alright, just taking a quick break now, Bulls fans, to tell you about our brand new sponsor, Bet Online. If you missed your chance to bet on the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, fear not, listener. Blue Wire is excited to be partnering with Bet Online to help you win big no matter the time of the year. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner, Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Plus, it's never too early to lay down your future bet for Super Bowl 2021. Head over to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up, it's super easy, and if you're already making wages, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. Bring your best bets home with BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, back to the pod now, and I want to talk about Zach Levine missing out on the All-Star game, which was tough for Zach. I mean, he, he's he been the best ball this season, most most definitely the most consistent ball this season. He's definitely improved. He's had himself a really good year. Pro, and, and Well, that, that, maybe that's not true. He, he did start quite slow over the first 10 to 15 games, but thereafter, let's say middle of November, he's been damn good. So Zach, the best ball by far, but unfortunately, he misses out on an all-star game place, which is probably always going to happen given it's the coaches who make the decision on who these reserves will be. And to no surprise, the, the coaches all voted for the players who come from Eastern Conference teams that are actually have a winning record. There wasn't a player on the Eastern Conference team that has a losing record beyond Trey Young, that is. So it, it's no surprise that coaches value winning 
and thus they weren't going to pick Zach Levine, given that the Bulls are 13 games under 500 at this point. So I'm not surprised Zach didn't make it. It sucks for him. It sucks for us as Bulls fans because we want to see our guys repping the city, repping our team, given that the, the All-Star game is in Chicago as well. I guess it, that's that added layer to this whole thing. It would have been nice to see a Bull represent our team in the All-Star game in Chicago, but it wasn't to be, obviously, and... I, I, look, I'm not surprised. I don't think he deserved to make it, but I don't think it's it, it's fair to say that he definitely deserved it above player A, B, C, and and it's 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 a it's it's a sham that he didn't make it or that he was snubbed. I mean, who should he have made it over? I guess is my point. If you're going to say he's a snub and that he should have made the All Star game, who should he have been in over? I think a lot of people probably point to Sabonis or someone like that, or even Kyle Lowry, and think these are boring vets. They don't necessarily. They don't necessarily represent what the All-Star game is it's about. They're not high-energy type players. They're not guys that are going to go out there and shoot threes and dunk the hell out of the ball like Zach would and put on a show, particularly the fact that it is in Chicago. So, I don't know. It just seems like the best argument for Levine is the fact that he is the type of player made for the All-Star game. But maybe I'm too traditional. Maybe I'm too boring in the sense that I think the All-Star game should be about the 12 best players in each conference. And to me, at least, Zach probably wasn't one of the best 12 players in the Eastern Conference. That's not to say I don't think he's had a great season because he definitely has. That's not to say I don't think he was on the cusp of making it. I think he was in that next that next tier down with Jalen Brown and Bradley Beal. And it'll be interesting to see if there is an injury, if one of those guys does make it. And if it is, who, who that player may be. But uh, yeah, personally, I don't think Zach did deserve it. I would have liked to have seen him make it, but I wasn't disappointed that, that he wasn't there, I guess, is my point. But you know, we'll see. Maybe he can get in there as an injury replacement should that happen. Now, obviously, yeah, that may not happen, but if it does, it, it'll come down to Jalen Brown. It'll come down to Zach Levine and even Bradley Beal. But nonetheless, we'll see how it all plays out. But there's no there's no question that someone like Levine has definitely been hampered by the Bulls' record. So, so I, I get his frustrations at his team at this point. He's done everything he can to... To, to put the Bulls into at least a, a competitive position. And the team has been competitive for, I don't know, 36 minutes of a game, 40 minutes of game. If we go back to that Pacers game the other day, they were competitive for 44 minutes of that game. They were up 100 to 93 before they sort of choked at the end. And obviously there was that no call on Zach at the end, which should have been a call, which should have put him at the line and probably would have guaranteed a Bulls win, assuming he makes one of those free throws. But obviously... They uh they melted down in that last bit of that fourth quarter. They obviously fell apart as well in overtime. So they've only got themselves to blame for the execution errors there, with Zach included. But ultimately, the wins is what cost Levine at this point. So it's hard for me to say that he's more deserving than Chris Middleton, that he's more deserving than Kyle Lowry or even Sabonis or someone like that. So tough for our guy, Zach Levine. But I don't know if it really matters that he missed the All-Star game and I say that because maybe this is me just trying to spin it and just come in, trying to come up with a different angle. But is it a good thing that we don't have any Bulls representing our city in the All-Star game? I mean, it's kind of shit on one hand because you want to see your players in there. Wendell Carter was chosen to represent the Bulls in the Rising Stars Challenge. Kobe White missed out on that, unfortunately. Wendell got picked, but he won't be playing because of his injury. So no Bulls in that. Obviously, no Zach Levine in the All-Star game. He was the only Bull that had a chance of making the All-Star game. He's not doing that. Who knows what happens with the Skills Challenge, with the Dunk Comp, with a three-point contest. Maybe Zach can get in one of them and represent the team. But I don't know. There's a part of me that wants to see Zach do something 
given that it is in Chicago, given that I want to see my guys typically in the All-Star game or at least part of the weekend. But at the same time, maybe this is being a little negative. It would actually be, would it be a good thing to have no balls during any event over the weekend at all, even with the thing being in Chicago? And maybe that the fact that it is in Chicago, that would really emphasize just how bleak things are for the Bulls at the moment and would just turn up the heat a little bit on guys like Garpax, on Boylan. The fact that year three in the rebuild, they've got no one from their roster participating at all in any of these events during the All-Star weekend. I mean, that would be that would be majorly embarrassing for, for the, the Dwarfs, you would assume. Surely that the, the, the All-Star game coming into Chicago, that they would want to see one of their guys there presenting their team on their own court. But maybe ownership looks at this and, and is embarrassed. I don't know. Do, do they feel embarrassment? Who knows? I'm assuming they're, they're human. They do. But um, maybe they don't. But maybe this, maybe that is the good side of this. That if, if Levine doesn't make the All-Star game, if he's not an injury replacement, if he chooses not to do the dunk contest or doesn't get invited to the three-point contest and there's no other balls invited to these things at all, maybe maybe that actually is a good thing. Maybe it's a it's a good angle for us as fans, even the Bulls media, to sort of use that against the team at the end of the season to say, you know, you had this opportunity, you wanted to make the playoffs, you obviously didn't do that, or we're assuming they're not going to do that. You had your all-star game in Chicago. You talked about your players, maybe one or two of them making the big game itself, maybe having some others represent the, the, the team in some other events. That probably is not going to happen. I think it would be a good way to just further that embarrassment that we as a fan base sort of want our ownership and want our management to sort of own at this point. So I don't know. I'm torn at the moment between whether I want Zach to get in, in into the game itself, whether I want him in the dunk contest or the three-point contest. I mean, it would be pretty damn amazing to see him going in that dunk, dunk contest against Aaron Gordon and see him flying through the air in a Bulls uniform in the United Center during the All-Star weekend. I mean, I, I would probably prefer Zach being in the, in the dunk contest and the All-Star game itself because, to me at least, even though the dunk contest has been shit over the last few years, I still remember what happens in the dunk contest more than I do the All-Star game. And that, to me, at least, that's more memorable. So for Zach to go on the, on, on the floor there and dunk as a bull in the, in the United Center and even win the whole damn thing, I mean, that would be a damn cool story. But at the same time, I'm torn. Like I said, I'm torn. Do I want to even see that? Do I, would, would, would there be some value in maybe Zach not even participating in anything, having no bulls at all representing our team in our city during the All-Star weekend, maybe... Maybe that would be a benefit. Maybe I'm just talking. Maybe I'm just talking trash and trying to talk my way into it. But I don't know. That's that's the perspective I've been trying to apply on it lately, and it could just be a spin on my behalf trying to find an angle to work my way through this thing. But yeah, unfortunately for Zach, misses out on the All Star game. You can tell it bothers him. I think that's part of the way, the reason why he was so frustrated on the bench today against the Raptors. The fact that he's doing everything he can to to play the right way. He's putting up his numbers. But the team just can't win games. And obviously, they can't win games because there's a lot of injuries at the moment. But still, even when they are in position to win like they were against the Pacers, they're just botching these games in the same way they've been all season. I get he's frustrated at this point of the season. But at the same time, I'm, I'm kind of I'm impressed with the way Zach is handling these things. I mean, he was very composed. He was very poised when... Uh, when when the media was speaking to Zach straight after finding out the news of he didn't or the fact that he didn't make the All Star game, I mean he was very rational in in his whole his whole approach. He obviously 
he's going to have confidence in himself and he's going to say that he thought he should be there. But then he also did say that he understood that it takes winning to, to get there. He, 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 he himself identified the fact that the coaches pick players from winning programs. So he knew that it's tough to get into this game without having a winning record. And, and, that, and that was certainly the case for Zach. So I think he, he gets it. Zach gets it. He's maturing. He's not. He's not this selfish player that some make him out to be. He's not this ball hog that some make him out to be. He's. He's obviously got his flaws, his issues, but he understands his place in the game. He understands why he does or doesn't receive certain things. And I feel for Zach because for every single year he's been in the league, he's been on a bad rebuilding team. That is, you know, that, that's costing him his reputation to a degree. Now, you can argue that he probably could be better, and maybe if he was better, maybe the team is not 19 and 33 at this point. But, I mean, he's doing everything he can. I mean, if you're not watching the Bulls and you're arguing that it's this is Zach Levine's fault, then, yeah, you're not watching the Bulls, obviously, clearly. So, I, I do feel for Zach Levine. I, I understand his frustration at this point. But, yeah, unfortunate that he did not make the All-Star game, and, it sucks for him, but like I said, maybe the upside is that it, this embarrasses the uh, the franchise enough that maybe it forces some change towards the back end of the season. At least, fingers crossed, that's what I'm hoping for. But the only other thing that I wanted to talk today about Bulls fans is the fact that we've got the trade deadline coming up on Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Times. That is when the trade deadline ends. Who knows what the Bulls will be doing at this point? I mean, they should be sellers. They should be selling at this point. They're not... Well, they most likely are not going to make the playoffs. They definitely won't be buyers at the trade deadline. At least they shouldn't be. So it's now it becomes a conversation of are they going to be sellers or are they going to hang on to the, what they have and, and just sort of just go through the rest of this season just as they already are. And it's it, I guess the injuries of the team have made that this whole situation a little bit more difficult. The fact that they're out or they don't have Wendell Carter at the moment. They don't have Larry Markinett at the moment. Obviously, Otto Porter has been out for an extended period of time, and we just talked about Chris Dunn and his MCL injury. So the fact that you have so many bodies on the sideline, that sort of makes me lean that they won't be doing too much at the deadline, given they just need active players on the roster to be doing something. So I don't know if we're going to get a Thad Young trade. I mean, that was something that maybe made sense prior to Larry Markin going down, but... Now that Thad Young is literally the only power forward on the roster, I can see a scenario where the Bulls don't want to trade Thad Young because they literally have no one else that they can plug into that position. I mean, maybe you could start Hutchinson there for a little while until Larry is back, but who the hell do you put as backup as your backup power forward? I mean, is, is, is uh, Jim Boylan going to run five-point guard lineups at that point? Maybe he would. Maybe he gets creative in that sense, but the Bulls just don't have that those backup options to necessarily replace Thad Young with, unless obviously they trade for a power forward, a lesser power forward in their trade for Thad Young. Maybe that's maybe that's something they could do. But I think once Larry Markman went down, the the impetus or the uh, the catalyst to trade Thad Young maybe went away a little bit. And I think this, obviously the same can be said about Chris Dunn. Now, we don't know what's going to happen with Chris Dunn in free agency, but we also don't know if the Bulls will be the ones that are going to pay him. Do they even want it to pay him? Was Chris Dunn someone that they were potentially going to deal at the deadline? And if so, has his trade value dramatically decreased now that he's out for who knows how long with this MCL injury? So that may have changed the landscape for Chris Dunn. And I guess the only other real name out there is probably Denzel Valentine, who you would assume maybe is possibly a trade target. Despite all these injuries, he's not someone that's playing that many minutes at this point. So... 
Maybe they do trade Denzel for some second rounder. Maybe they play Shaq Harrison more minutes or Adam Makoka more minutes and give those guys those Denzel minutes. Maybe that happens. Maybe that's the alone move the Bulls make at the deadline. But it could have been an interesting deadline for the Bulls from a selling perspective had these injuries not happened. But I think, unfortunately, with these injuries taking place, not only has it sort of derailed the season from a winning perspective, it may have also influenced what the Bulls do on the at the deadline, unfortunately. So I was personally looking forward to trading Thad Young, given that the team was not performing. I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs, you know, three, four weeks ago. I was pretty adamant that it, was, it just made sense at that point to, to cut ties with Thad Young, get him to a contender, get him to the Los Angeles Clippers, someone like that, bring back a first-round pick or something from the Clippers for Thad Young. But I don't know. Maybe the Bulls don't even want to do that now, given that they would have zero power forwards on their roster. So... Let's see what they do, but I, theoretically they should be selling and, and maybe they get some bodies back for Thad Young or, or for Chris Dunnell, Denzel Valentine, where you, your rotation won't be impacted that much to the point where maybe you still go out and make these trades. But if they're just getting back trash players who aren't even going to be in the rotation and players that maybe they don't even want on the roster, then I could imagine a scenario where they keep these players through the deadline i hope i'm wrong here but we'll find out obviously on thursday what the bulls do we'll wrap that up on the next episode of bulls hq but obviously the rumors will be circulating around the the, the majority of the nba we'll see if the bulls figure in that at all but that just about does it for this episode of bulls hq thank you for tuning in bulls fans again thank you for putting up with my absence over the last few weeks as i explained from the top i think it's justified But uh, yeah, we'll try to get back to a more normal routine going forward. But in the interim, you can follow me on Twitter at MKHoops. Follow the show on Twitter too, at BullsHQPod. If you want to hit me up on an email, want to be part of the BullsHQ Discord channel, send me an email, BullsHQPod at gmail.com. Get at me. Send me any questions you've got. If you want to be part of the Discord, let me know and I'll send you the link to the Discord forum. But that just about does it for this episode of BullsHQ. Appreciate you guys tuning in. But more broadly, given what has happened over the sort of last week, I just want to say I appreciate you guys regardless. I mean, thank you so much for tuning in and listening and supporting the show, doing what you do. It doesn't go unnoticed. And uh, whilst I've taken some time here to sort of make sense that, you know, at least find what 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 it is that means the most to me, what what I want to be spending my time doing, I think I've, I've, I've come to the realization that I can uh, never escape our balls for better or worse. And for you guys to be tuning into this podcast every every other week and just supporting me, I, I really do appreciate you guys. So I just wanted you to know that because uh, unfortunately, sometimes we don't say these things and, and maybe it's too late, but I just wanted to get that out there. Thank you for tuning into Bulls HQ. I appreciate you all. We'll be back very soon. Thank you, Bulls fans. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. 
Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.